0: Hey y'all, before we get into today's episode, I wanna give a huge shout out to Halo for sponsoring this podcast. Halo's Bassinest is an amazing, always top rated product for new babies. You guys know that I'm all about safe sleep. I am not about bed sharing, and the Halo Bassinest offers safe sleep for baby, which brings peaceful rest for you. Some of their new updates they have this spring. Y'all, the fabrics are machine washable. Yeah, that's right. In select models, they're beautiful, new updated fabrics can be easily removed so you can wash them between naps. Holy moly, Halo, that is an incredible update. You guys are listening to us. Thank you so much. <laughs> we love the Halo bassinest around here at Little Z's. And for Little Z's sleep listeners, guys, we have a special coupon code just for you. When you visit halosleep.com, use the offer code LITTLEZ10, that's the number 10, LITTLEZ10, to save 10% on any purchase of $200 or greater. Halo Bassinest, I can't recommend it enough. Love it. Definitely a great gift idea for those baby showers this spring. Thanks, Halo, for sponsoring this podcast. Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I'm committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits. Sometimes, though, before we can even get to your child, we have to focus on you. Mom, And today, episode 99, I'm talking with Dr. Asherina Reem, otherwise known as Psyched Mommy on Instagram. She is a wealth of knowledge, and I absolutely needed to have her on the podcast today to talk about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. You see, a while ago, we had a podcast all about the postpartum period, and we spoke with a postpartum doula. And it was incredibly insightful to talk with Sarah of Nurturing Birth and Beyond. About that, and that was getting our conversation started. So many DMs came in saying, please talk more about postpartum anxiety. So here we are today talking with Dr. Reem. I know you are going to love this. Let's get right into my conversation with Dr. Reem. Well, guys, I'm so excited to have Dr. Asherina Reem with us today. This is going to be such a rich episode and I don't even want to like get too too flustered about like, wow, you guys should go check out our Instagram and all these things. Like I want to cut right to it. So um, we will definitely talk about resources. But first of all, I want to get into, tell us about yourself and how you came into a role as a clinical psychologist. Yes, I can do that.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I became, you know, it's interesting because I was not studying to become a psychologist. (laughs) I thought I was going to be a pharmacist or like a physician's assistant. And I was pre-med in undergrad and took my first abnormal psychology class. And I thought, wow, this is really fascinating. And then I just, it just piqued my curiosity. I continued to take those classes. And then I became a psychologist. Um, I started off as a generalist, which means I saw just about everybody and everything. I worked in eating disorder recovery for a while. I've worked with adolescents, and then I became a mom. (laughs) And everything changes. (laughs) Yes. I became a mom. I experienced my own emotional transition that I did not anticipate or expect, and it shifted my focus. I became certified as a perinatal mental health care provider and never looked back because now I'm like, everybody needs to know Everybody needs to know what can potentially happen and how to make it better.
0: I think that most people can identify with that. And then I became a mom. Yeah. That's like even my own story is I never thought, I didn't even know sleep consulting was a thing. And similarly, when I had my first child, I, did, I had heard of postpartum depression, but I was like, well, I'm not a depressed person. So that's not going to happen to me. And, and reflecting back, I've shared on the podcast, like I'm pretty positive. Yes, there was absolutely something happening. I just didn't know. So mm-hmm. I love your mission of educating your social media platform. And we'll get into your new online course, that I'm excited to talk about. You have incredible resources. And what I love most about your, um, your account in general that you share on Instagram is you really do make it known that like you guys are not alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I wanted to read a quick quote because I think it sets, sets up, um, one of the posts that you shared a while ago, I bookmarked it. I loved it so much. You said, we understand that babies crawl before they walk and we're here to support them. The development of a parent requires the same support. Be kind. And I was oh, like, yes, <laughs> because <laughs> you do. I think that um, when you become a mother, yes, you're uh, very focused on like, well, yes, my baby is immature, but you don't think about like you're an, you're an immature mom, like you're new, and and it's so important. So, um, I would love to get in right into the discussion on postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. What are these two, and what is the difference between them?
1: So, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, they actually. As mental health care professional, professionals, we refer to them as perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So they what most people don't know is they can present in pregnancy. And a lot of the times it does start off in, in pregnancy and you may not recognize it. And then postpartum, if like the symptoms intensify, that's when like people will be like, this just there's something off. So postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety look a lot like um, depression and anxiety anytime throughout the lifespan. So it like postpartum depression can look like I just can't will myself to get out of the house. Like I can't get my diaper bag together. Like when people are saying, you know, go out and do these things, change the scenery. And it's just like, that feels so heavy and hard for me that I just cannot do that. And it's not always like weepy, sad mom, postpartum depression can look like I'm agitated. I'm irritable. Everything is setting me off. And the one thing I always tell people and I tell moms is that I hear this a lot. And I I remember saying this myself, I just don't feel like myself. I kept saying that repeatedly. I just don't feel like myself and I hate it. So that was something to me that indicated something was wrong. But yeah, I mean, moms can be tearful. They can be weepy. They can have this sense of um, hopelessness. They can feel like, did I get, did I, what did I do? What did I get myself into? That's kind of like that, those feelings and those thoughts that we have. And anxiety is much like anxiety that presents any time throughout the lifespan. However, there can be some preoccupation with like the development of my kid, the health of my kid, my own health, um, those things that keep you up at night. And I remember in my own experience, because I, I had a little bit of both, lucky me, I couldn't sleep even when my son slept, and I would just be up, anxious and stressed, and I was like, "What in the heck is going on? I would have the sleep anxiety about if I fall asleep he's going to wake up and then how many more minutes do i have and it was just a lot of those like what if thinking a lot of that keyed up feeling and that's kind of how i describe it anxiety can feel like you're so keyed up and on edge all the time and depression can feel like someone has drained me like and sucked me dry of my energy and often what happens is they present together so it's hard to dissect what is what am i really experiencing this because i'm feeling like both of these things
0: so that's good to note. It's not that you either have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. They really can. You can experience both.
1: Yes. And it'll be tricky because then you'll, sometimes moms will say like, but I feel good a couple of days or I feel, it's not like I feel like this all the time and you don't really have to feel like that all the time. So we're, we like look for a number of things onset, onset, when did it present? Because when we look at perinatal as a mental health care provider, we think anytime during pregnancy and up to a year postpartum, it doesn't mean that it can't go on. But that's when we generally see it. Um, And we look at severity. How much is it impacting your functioning? And then the duration. How long is it lasting? Because like baby blues, people get confused with that. Like, I think I'm just experiencing the blues. Well, really, that's just the first few weeks postpartum of like a mood fluctuation. And I explain that like on my Instagram. I talk about that quite a bit because that's a question I get all the time. But yeah, so that's just a very time-specific period. But these persist. And these don't really resolve on their own unless you're doing something to make it better.
0: Right. Okay. So um, before we move into the, well, what is the something to make it better? um, You hit a very important, like very brief uh, uh, line about, okay, it could go all the way up till one year postpartum. Mm -hmm. So maybe you feel like, yeah, I I never got postpartum anxiety. I'm doing fine. But then maybe six or seven months hits and you do feel something different. It's normal to feel like it can happen anytime around that first year mark.
1: Absolutely. That's a question I get almost every single time I do an Instagram takeover or if I do a podcast interview or just from moms, like they're always asking me, well, I didn't, I felt fine after I had my son or daughter these symptoms don't necessarily have to present right away they can peak at 4 to 6 months postpartum some moms will report i didn't have these symptoms until i was about 9 months postpartum and yes so that's that can happen
0: mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to note because I think I love the description that you used of the postpartum depression versus the postpartum anxiety. It can happen anytime within that first year. Now, now you mentioned, okay, we got to figure out a way to get help. Um, I guess step one would would be a diagnosis of
1: some sort, or is that not the first step? Well, I think- noticing and recognizing I need something because I can't live like this. And moms will always ask me, when should I seek treatment? And I say like, if you're questioning it, you're probably ready to see somebody. Cause that just means to me that you don't feel like yourself. And that means that you don't like the way that you feel. So there's never, there's no such thing as too early. There's no such thing as like, I'm not like, you know, bad enough. I'm not in crisis. And I, I would encourage moms to seek treatment before you're in crisis because you want to have the resources there with you. Like you don't want to be searching for somebody like in the midst of chaos. You want to have somebody to support you. And you can, it really depends. Like if you feel connected with your OB or your PCP or GP, wherever you're living, um, you're like a lactation consultant, a midwife, a doula, whoever is connected in this kind of this arena of maternal mental health or that you, that might be connected with a provider. You can ask them if they know. And they may or may not have the resources, but you can tell them what's going on with you. Like, I just think I need to talk to somebody about this. They may be helpful and they might not, but if they're not, it's okay. Uh, Postpartum Support International is where I tell everybody to go. And that's uh, postpartum.net. They have local resources to whatever geographic location you're at. It'll have um, virtual and in-person free support groups. They'll have individual therapists psychiatrists and other prescribers, resources for dads, resources for military families. It's just an incredible, robust uh, tool that I recommend to a lot of people. And go there and you can call their helpline if you're really feeling overwhelmed and they'll help navigate and get you connected with the right resources.
0: That is an a, an awesome resource. I use that inside of our newborn course. I point to that um, mm-hmm. because I definitely believe. Uh, yes, we can talk about newborn sleep, but why can you even talk? How could you even talk about newborn sleep if you're not even mentally ready for that? Um, right. So, like the first chapter is all about mom, and let's talk about this and what that is. And I, I that is an awesome resource. They are full of great things. So yes, if you just need to pause this podcast and go there right away, do it. Um, so you've talked about getting. Talk therapy counseling what are other options for getting help before we get into I definitely want to talk about you know how we can talk about getting help with our with our partner um, but is counseling the only option to get help
1: no it's not um, some people really enjoy talk therapy especially if they've never done it and they realize like how cathartic and how supported they feel I encourage it because I'm a psychologist but also because I'm a human being and I realize that everyone can benefit from talking to someone and feeling validated and like having the guidance that you need. Research has shown time and time again, how impactful social support is. And that doesn't have to be like a support group. However, there are support groups everywhere, like, like local hospitals, just local, like, I mean, agencies here in Phoenix. We have several different places across the valley that offer like support groups for moms. Yeah, and um, being connected with other moms. That doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have to be in like this official way. Like you can have like a group of moms that you like to talk to. It could be people that you call on the phone. It can be people that you're meeting with in person. People that you're asking for support from. It's just kind of creating that village. uh can be very helpful. Sometimes medication is necessary. So that's like another question I get a lot from people and. There's a lot of misinformation about using medication, especially if a mom is nursing. So some moms will feel like they, well, they can't use medication if they're pregnant or nursing, and that's incorrect. So like meeting with a reproductive psychiatrist or somebody that's familiar with medication during this time frame is so impactful and so helpful. Again, postpartum support international has like a psychiatric consult line. So if your provider isn't really comfortable with that, they can talk to somebody um, on the consult line and get the information that they need to help you. It's just, there's so much that you can do, like moving your body, like, you know, nourishing yourself with good food, being connected with other people. I mean, that's if you can do that. And some people are just in a place where they feel like, yeah, that sounds good. But I like, I can't, I can't even will myself to do those things. So right. if that's you, I encourage you to talk to somebody. And in 2020, we have teletherapy. That's I, I offer teletherapy in Arizona and um, it's incredible. So if a mom is kind of feeling isolated and at home but can't leave for whatever the the dynamics, I meet her exactly where she's at, in her, you know, living room or in her bedroom. But yeah, virtually. it is an amazing time to be alive. It seriously <laughs> yeah. is. And
0: I resonated a lot with what you're saying about, yeah, sure, you could tell me to go take a walk or eat some fruit bowls or things like uh-huh. that. But I just can't do that. And it's, it's so in line with a lot of like the sleep things I teach. Yeah, Becca, you could tell me to give my baby a bath and do the bedtime routine like, you know, like it's outlined, but I just can't do it, you know, because I'm so exhausted or because I'm going through postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression or I'm dealing with something. There's, it, it doesn't, you know, I, I, I want people to be encouraged that it's, if you're feeling that way, that like, that sounds simple, but I just can't do it. It's
1: okay. hmm it's so different for every single mom. Like you'll see, and I, I hear from so many moms, and I meet with so many moms. But some will say, like, I started walking outside every day, and then I started, you know, making one change in my habit or my routine, or I started stretching. And then another mom will say, I went to therapy and I use medication, and that worked so great for me. So it's really about figuring out what your needs are and getting that support. If you're in a space where you can, you know, see a therapist and you think it's feasible for you, do it. If it's not, figure out. A trial and error. That's kind of what we do in therapy It's we want to figure out what works best and is most suitable for the person that's right in front of us. And that means being flexible in changing direction if we have to.
0: I would love to ask kind of a follow-up question to getting talk therapy. How often? And again, it may depend on the mom or the the, the, the situation. Um, but someone did ask on um, on social media when I was getting questions for you. Someone did ask if you do seek counseling, like how often do I need to be going until I see improvements? And I get this question frequently on sleep stuff too. Like I want to see a quick fix, which I mm-hmm. there's no quick fix. Um, but how how often would a mom need to be seeking? um, talk therapy.
1: Every case is different based on like the severity of what's going on. However, I always meet with moms, um, weekly right at the outset because I need to establish like what's going on. We need to gain some momentum. We start weekly. And then I ask like, when would you like to follow up next? I never make it like a, you must see me, you know, this week or next week, unless there's like a crisis type situation. I start off weekly. We graduate to every other week and then you would just reduce frequency. And then what we do is I call them booster sessions. Like once you're done, we can kind of not discharge the, um, the mama, but we say, come back if you need something. Because my goal is not to keep people in therapy forever. It's just to help them along the way. They they decrease frequency and they start using the, the skills on their own. And truly, I see some moms that'll say like after session one, they're like, "It just is it weird that I felt so good just after that first session? And it's not that like we did anything therapeutic, but it's just like telling somebody like all of the stuff that's going on in your head, like all those secrets that you're just keeping to yourself about how crappy you feel. <laughs> you know, it's just like telling someone and being validated and being supported without judgment can feel so good. So sometimes it's very quick and moms will say like, I never knew, like I could just meet with somebody, talk to somebody and feel good so quickly. And like, I mean, the the big progress and we're talking about like anxiety reduction, that can take a few months, just depends on how motivated the person is and how willing they are to apply the skills and you know, how well we're like, if we're our, um, how well we are aligned as like a therapist and a patient or client, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. (laughs) every state's different. Um, but so just, it depends on a lot of things, but I love this work because I see the changes and I see the light bulbs going off and I see mom saying like this, I got to do this on my own. And I did this, that we've been talking about and it's, you know, exponentially changed my life. And that's like that's so awesome. I love that work.
0: Yes. Um, I'm sure you feel the same, right? Oh, there's so many parallels. <laughs> As you're saying, that's like, there's so many parallels, <laughs> you know, similarly to what you're talking about with, um, I, I, oh gosh, it would be wrong if you're sleep training forever. Like that's not, that's, you shouldn't be doing that. And, uh, and the booster sessions you're talking about, like, yes, we go through an intensive period of two to three weeks of sleep training. And then follow up afterwards. Hey, you got this happening? Let's talk about that. If you need something, let's talk about that. So that ongoing maintenance, yes, it's always going to be there. Nothing is perfect. We're not robots. There's always going to be something to look at, but I wanted to bring up something that you mentioned, I think is a good segue into how to talk to your partner. You talked about how it is therapeutic, even if you, if it, if it is your first session, just to talk and talk it out and mm-hmm. feel like a weight is being lifted, feel validated. But it is also so important to note that this is why professionals exist, you know, cause I could, I can hear it in my head. Um, some partner or some moms saying, well, you know what, that's, you know, that's a good idea. I'll just talk to my friend or I'll just talk to, um, someone that's close to me. I'm not close to a therapist, but there's reasons
1: that professionals exist, um, big time. And your eyes are like, yes, it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. If it was that simple, I'd probably, I mean, yeah. Yeah. i would be out of business. <laughs> same, same with sleep. I say it all the time. I'm like, there's a reason that I have a job. Yeah. It's because sleep
0: is complex. And so okay. is obviously mental health. So let's talk about how we can, for, and we can kind of go through a lot of different um, trails here, but let's talk about how we can explain to our partners, spouse, that you need to get help. They just don't understand, but you need to get help.
1: That like if, if a mom personally feels like she needs to get help. Yes it's very different. So I get messages from moms. I meet with moms and they say that my partner doesn't take what I'm saying seriously. They don't believe me or they don't believe in mental illness and like, they don't believe in depression. They don't believe in anxiety and not, I mean, that, that's, there's some difficulties there because I think there's some dynamics in the relationship that also might be challenged. And, um, so it, it's not like it's going to be like an easy and this is how you do it and it works for every couple. But this is how, I mean, I think that you can just speak to your experience and you can explain what you're going through as best as you can. But I also don't expect moms to know exactly how to explain it because I am a psychologist and I was going through this myself. And part of it, I don't feel like I really understood it until it was over where I could reflect back and say, gosh, that was a really dark place. I didn't really recognize at all, like what I was going through. I couldn't put words to my experience. So I think part of it is like, you don't have to have all the words, but you can just say, I know I need help. I know I need help because something is not right with me and I, I need to feel better to be, you know, the mom that I want to be. I need to feel better to be the partner I want to be. I need to feel better for me so that I can live a life that I'm, you know, like happy to have. You don't have to have all the words. You don't have to explain it all away and, you know, do like a thesis or (laughs) some type of dissertation on what's going on, but explaining, I mean, this is not just some like idea that we've created, that these are, you know, diagnoses that we've just pulled out of thin air. This has been researched. This is studied and therapy and the stuff that we do in therapy, the skills that we teach are evidence-based, meaning that they are proven to be effective. They're proven to like help your mood help your relationships and help in a number of different ways. So I think if we're talking to somebody and they don't, they are, they're not understanding speak to how it can help your relationship. You know, like, what are you noticing about me that's different and turn it to your partner and like, maybe they can, if you, if you feel comfortable doing this, maybe they can point out what they've noticed and say, like, see, these are the things I really want help with. Cause I don't feel like myself. And I know you've probably noticed I don't feel like myself and, um, I think it'd be good for all of us, but yeah, there's no, there's no like one way to do it. There is a great resource. It's, if you haven't heard of Karen Klein, she's incredible. She's written, I don't even know, maybe more than 30 books in perinatal uh, mental health. And one of the books, I mean, she has them for um, mothers. She has them for fathers, but one of the books that I love is called, this isn't what I expected. And, um, oh, I've seen that before. It's overcoming postpartum depression. And she has an entire section in there for partners. She has an entire section for partners what to say, what not to say, how best to support your partner. So it's just a lot of great resources in this book and books like it. But it'll be insightful, it'll be helpful. But one thing to know I tell all the moms I meet with not everything is going to apply to you perfectly or your situation. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot about tailoring it to your relationship and your dynamics. Absolutely.
0: Well, we will definitely link that book in the show notes here for this. Um, and I, I definitely think that's that's a great starting point to be able to ask. That's a really raw starting point to get to ask like, hey, what have you noticed that's different? How have, how have I changed? Um, mm-hmm. Because that uh, opens up a lot of conversation for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's for like the moms that really are struggling to find the words. Some people can Lay it out like it is. You know, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I've noticed. I'm more irritable, and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Just sharing your experience is fine too. But for it's just not going to be the same for everyone.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I totally agree. So I have a couple of questions that have come in from Instagram. I'd love to ask you. And the first one really goes almost in line with how to talk to a partner. It's almost okay. very similar. Uh, someone's asking, "How do I help a mom who
1: says I'm fine?" But you know something is up. Yes. The I'm fine. People say this in therapy all the time. How are you this week? Fine. I'm okay. Uh, So, and we know our friends, we know, especially even our partners. Like I do this at home. But if you know that something is not fine and it's starting to eat away at you because you really want that person to open up, they might not be ready to open up. So it really depends on your relationship. If you feel like you're at a place in your relationship where you can describe what you see, you know, I know that you're saying that you're fine, but this is what I've noticed. I notice that you're pulling away. I notice that you're just not yourself. This is how, you know, I this is what I used to see as my friend and this is what I'm seeing now. How can I support you? And it's okay if you don't want to talk about it, but you need me to support you. That's okay too. But the number one thing I encourage you to do is keep showing up. Keep showing up as her friend and don't back away because she is shutting down because that's the last thing that she needs is people to disconnect and distance themselves because then it just feels more isolating. It feels more overwhelming. And just think of ways that you can support, show up and talk about whatever, you know, be present, be helpful. If there's something that you can offer, like tangible support, do it. Just continue being there. And I think that whether or not that friend completely opens up and shares everything, they will remember. They will remember how you were supportive, how you never gave up, and just how you made them feel. So, I think that's important. And the I'm, fact that you're asking, I think is a just an indicator of being a great friend.
0: Oh yeah, I thought so too. I was like, man, we need more people like that in our life. Right. <laughs> that know that. All right, another question. A mom is asking, she's look she is going to be weaning pretty soon and she's wondering about the link between weaning and postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety.
1: So, yes, this is common. This is I mean, I it happens. I don't want to say like how common because I don't have like statistics in front of me, but moms do report this. So the weaning process, I actually talk about this in keeping mommy in mind, my online course. Um, there's an entire section about how breastfeeding and mental health interact. And that's because we, uh, when we are start to wean, a lot of moms report, I'm starting to feel like I did initially with all those hormone fluctuations and I'm feeling more irritable or anxious or down this does happen. It should resolve within a few weeks. That's why uh, lactation consultants will encourage a very slow weaning process. If possible, I recognize that that's not always possible, but cutting out one feeding, gradually doing that so that it can, your body can have just that time that it needs to really respond. And like, this is our new normal and it should, should resolve in a few weeks on its own. But if it doesn't, maybe seek the support that you need, whether that's with a therapist, whether that's with a provider, or um, I think part of it is knowing that this can happen is a really good indicator. I, I knew that because I worked really closely with my, my lactation consultant who became a good friend, and I knew that this was going to happen. And part of me, that the knowing process was helpful. Um, Kelly Mom, if you're not familiar with Kelly Mom, is a great resource, but there's an entire article about weaning and mood which is great. And I actually also have that one linked in the course, but it's, it's a good read and it's uh, informative. It's a great resource altogether. Kelly mom is, but yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, that's good to know that it is obviously something that is not, it's not rare. It happens. Mm -hmm. So that's good to acknowledge. Another mom is sharing that her anxiety is keeping her from getting out of the house with her new baby. And then she has a two and a half year old at home who has a lot of energy and activity needs. So what is your kind of like final encouraging message here for this
1: mom? Part of it is just supporting yourself and having compassion for yourself. So this is hard. We can't just tell moms who are experiencing anxiety, like just get out there. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to be okay. That's not helpful. Um, That actually worsens anxiety. So I think part of it is knowing like today I'm going to try the best that I can. If I can make a small step, whatever that looks like, Maybe that's getting out in my backyard. Maybe that's, you know, going for a walk around my block. That felt like it was enough for today. Finding those small things that I can do, acknowledging it and appreciating it. If I have a need to be social or I want to, you know, socialize my kids or whatever a v goal is, can I invite somebody to come over? And that way we're getting those needs met and I'm not feeling too anxious about this. Part of it is like just treating yourself like you treat other people. If somebody else came to you and said, you know, I'm feeling stressed about this. My hope is that you wouldn't be like, well, that's silly. You shouldn't feel that way. You know, you would be like, I get it. That's hard. You know, it's, this is not going to be like a forever thing. And I, I hear you. I see you. Like, I, I know this is hard for you. I'm kind of giving yourself that same, like, uh, like hugging myself, like a little hug, you know, the boost of encouragement that we need as moms. So offering yourself that grace, because I think that it's so important.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. No matter what stage you're in, if you just had the baby or if you only have a two and a half year old, you know, (laughs) speak to yourself like you would want to be, you would want others to speak to you like Mm -hmm. um, that is so, or how you would speak to your close friends. That is such A good, encouraging word for, um, especially for the newborn newborn days, absolutely. Um, And when you have multiple kiddos, you've mentioned several times, and I really wanted to kind of wrap up and talk about your online course. You just launched this, I think, two weeks ago or a few weeks ago.
1: Last month, February nineteenth, whatever date, however long ago that was. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, tell us all about it. So I created a course, especially for the moms, because I know that there's a lot of people that say like. I can't get to therapy or I am in therapy, but I would like some additional resources or I can't leave my house. We don't have this benefit, whatever that looks like for every single person. I created an online really comprehensive course that you can access from your home. It never expires. It includes a course with six different sections. I'll explain those. It's a comprehensive workbook. It's like 50 pages, a digital workbook with like assignments and things that you can do to process the sections and also a Facebook community. So It'll go over that transition to motherhood, really talking about like just the identity crisis of motherhood, the grief that we might have, like grieving our old life, the the myths that we may have believed in early motherhood. Like we think that's going to be, you know, really easy and things are going to come natural. So just dispelling a lot of myths, that's section one. And then we dive into, I go over every single perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. I describe it in great detail. I provide examples. And then in section three, which I think is the greatest section because it gives mamas the tools that I give my, my therapy patients. It talks about improving mood. I teach evidence-based skills that are backed by research. I teach them how to change their thinking patterns as well as utilizing um, relaxation skills. And then I talk about in another section, breastfeeding and mental health and how they interact. I talk about sleep, not, I'm not giving like sleep Consulting. I'm talking about practical sleep yeah. hygiene for moms and what the research says about sleep and how it is not a luxury and how it is a necessity and how it can contribute to mental health. Um, I talk about relationships in great detail. There's an entire section for partners to watch together. So you watch it with your partner and it describes how you can communicate effectively. It talks about how to resolve conflict and how to build a friendship with your partner. And then lastly, it talks about social support and how to get plugged in and how to really work. That social support network, and it's a lot. It was, <laughs> it's a lot
0: Absolutely. of good stuff. Yeah, but it's it's great that that what I love about obviously circling back to the beginning. So great to be in 2020 where this is. Yeah, these are resources that you can have available, and it's not something that's like sit down and binge it all right now. Like take it, take it as you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love to know. Um, and I I definitely think that this is important. Um, with the Line of sleep and yes, even newborn moms. Like it's sometimes you just write it off. Like well, I'm a new parent. I'm never going to sleep again. And y'all know Mm -hmm. that is not what I believe. And I totally am with with you on sleep is never a luxury. It's why I love again that online courses exist. But would you share with us a little bit about the importance of sleep and um, especially related to postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety?
1: Sleep is one of the biggest factors contributing to maternal depression. Um, It is. Just one of those very—it's a pinnacle. It's so important. I think that's what moms think is like. I'm never going to sleep again. But so, kind of. I'm now my brain is going all over the place. But one of the um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is postpartum psychosis, which a lot of people um, have never heard of, and it's uncommon. It's it's a psychiatric like it's an emergency. But one of the biggest contributors to that is lack of sleep. Lack of sleep is we prescribe sleep, and in many cases. With moms who are struggling severely with mental health issues postpartum, we prescribe sleep because it is imperative that you sleep. And I recognize that there's a lot. I mean, I don't, I'm not recommending anything. I'm not telling you got to do anything. I always tell moms this, but I just know that you've got to sleep. Like it has to happen somehow, some way, because it's so important to really, really help your mental health. Because I remember being a sleepless just irritable mom. And I recognized how it was impacting my mental health, but how I was responding to my son because I was so tired. So yeah, there's no amount of coffee that can fix that. that
0: No, no. No, and you know what? I'm going to step in and share. <laughs> this is exactly why I talk all the time about the importance of a postpartum doula. Calling your calling your neighbor, calling a yeah. family member, um, talking to your partner about how things are affecting you. Like there are so many. You know, I don't want a new mom to be like, "That's impossible. I can't get sleep." Like, well, mm-hmm.
1: we have. This is why it takes a village. It's why it's it why. really it's does. True. It is so important, and I think that moms we take care of ourselves last. It's like, it's like a cultural accepting thing. Like to just to say, like, I don't need to take care of myself. And that's so wrong. And we, we just cannot sustain that life. We cannot sustain the sleepless, um, lack of, you know, self-care, lack of attention on us. And that's how we get ourselves in big trouble emotionally.
0: Which is why, and I'm going to kind of wrap this up. I feel like I could talk to you about this stuff all day long, but we're going to wrap it up. Uh, This is why I loved, I loved, I I bookmarked it right at the beginning, your connection between we look at our baby as, well, of course you need help. Mm -hmm. Of course you can't walk or run or talk. You're a baby. Well, hello, of course, you're a new mom. This is a new role. It's a new chapter. Why do we expect ourselves to be masters of everything right away? you know, it's too much pressure. So tell us how we can get connected with you. Find your online course, find your Instagram. How can we get in touch?
1: It's really easy. I am www.psychedmommy.com. So psyched, P-S-Y-C-H-E-D, mommy, M-O-M-M-Y.com. I'm psychedmommy on Instagram. It's like the same all throughout. I'm psyched Mommy on Facebook, and I'm psyched mommy on Pinterest. And if you go to my website or if you go to my Instagram, there'll be links for my course. And it's called Keeping Mommy in Mind. Everything you need to know about your mental health as a mom and I dive into all those topics I talked about, but it's, it's a good stuff. It's good stuff. And I'm yeah. not just saying that because I created it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I know that what we just did today was a flyby. It was a flyover, like, whoa, look down there. There's a couple things to talk about, but there is so much more to dig into. And I know that your resources to be super helpful. So thank you, Dr. Ream for joining us today. Absolutely. This was incredibly helpful.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Reem, for joining us today. I know y'all don't mind that we went past the normal 30-minute threshold. This was worth it. We needed to talk about this. If this was a podcast that resonated with you and you know the word needs to be spread, would you do a huge favor? All you have to do is screenshot, post this on Instagram, tell everyone that you're listening, tag Psyched Mommy, tag me. I want to see what you guys are listening to. And if you just want to privately share it, if you're on the Apple podcast, just use that little box with the up arrow and send this to someone. It is a message that needs to be spread, you guys. Now, next week is episode 100. This is like a milestone, maybe just for me. Maybe nobody else cares about what (laughs) special topic, but it is going to be really good. And I am excited and it is a timely message. So look forward to episode 100 next week. Sweet dreams. See you next time.